Hello, hello, and welcome back to Season 2 of The Photorian. I'm your host, Greg Delves. The Photorian is a laid-back, interview-style podcast that gives the listener behind-the-scenes view of the professional photographic world. In Season 2, we'll be taking a look at the working photographer's life in the studio and on location. I'm excited to share with you the very talented guests I've got lined up in the coming weeks. So sit back and enjoy these fascinating conversations over the next five weeks and look forward to hearing your feedback. This week's guest on The Photorian is Petrina Tinsley. Petrina is an internationally acclaimed food, travel and interiors photographer. Petrina has been recognised for her unique aesthetic and stunningly original photography. She is a true trailblazer. Petrina has also photographed numerous award-winning and best-selling cookbooks, including multiple titles for internationally celebrated chefs and authors such as Nigella Lawson, Donna Hay, Bill Granger and Neil Perry. Petrina has collaborated with some of the world's leading publications in both advertising and design. She has also been the recipient of numerous awards. She received the James Beard Award, the Julia Childs Award for Excellence in Photography. And I'm thrilled today to welcome Petrina to the Photorian. Petrina, welcome. Welcome to the Photorian. Um, I'm super, super excited to have you uh, as the first guest of the second series. Oh, th- thank you very much. Thanks for your kind words. Um, yeah, I, I feel like um, even though I've obviously known of you and I've actually done projects with your wife as as a graphic designer and creative director years ago, right. we've actually, you and I have actually never really crossed paths directly. So directly, it's a very right. lovely thing and a great honour to be here. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I, I want to start, I want to sort of start at the start and I don't want to start when I first became aware of you, which I think was probably early nineties, um, when we'd moved from Melbourne to Sydney. Uh, and I, I have sort of some vague recollection of some studio, uh, or some lab probably, you know, processing film where your name first popped up. Um, so I, I just wanted to sort of hear about your, you know, how you got into photography and, and, and where your career started. Um, I think it all began probably in my last year of high school. I I switched across from, I was studying art within my high school certificate, uh, which is the final leaving year, and, uh, yeah, I switched into the photography class and I had the wonderful luck of uh, getting a photography teacher who had just graduated from what was then City Art Institute from the teaching section and she really wasn't that much older than the high school students because she'd just done three years at um, at the college doing the teaching degree for art. And she she was such an inspiration, um, took us out on weekends for little photo expeditions and it actually just really, um, I don't know, it just really... Uh, started something within me that really wanted me to sort of pursue it. And I guess simultaneously my brother had actually uh, enrolled at City Art Institute as well. He was studying his uh, first year there when I was in my last year at school. So it kind of was, I guess that year was quite um, important in sort of forming what I was going to do and study from that point on because I started going to a lot of the performance art things and the exhibition openings involved with my brother's um, 
uh, degree and uh, it really just I was like oh my goodness like this is this is my world like I this is just amazing I'm really inspired so I decided I was definitely going to do the degree that my brother had started which was a visual arts degree but of course I didn't really want to go to the same school that he was at so I actually enrolled at uh, Sydney College of the Arts which was then in Balmain and um it was like it was like such a breath of fresh air when I left school. I mean, I, I, school was fine, but when I got to um, Sydney College of the Arts, it was like, oh my god! Like my world just exploded. I'm like, this is really what I want to do, and these are my people and my tribe. And I, I I made some wonderful friends, and I spent three years just experimenting with photography in the dark room. Um, I, I really just really wanted to find what it was that I wanted to do within photography, though. Mm. So I, I signed up for lots of things. I did work experience at the Sydney Morning Herald uh, in the photojournalistic uh, arena and decided that was definitely not me. It was right. too brutal and real. And I, and I saw all sorts of things. With, uh went out with the photojournalists. Um, car crashes and yeah, right, right. Uh, interviewing politicians and and the photography around that um, uh, just really it was all too real and I realised that actually I I did prefer things that were a little bit more uh, romantic or uh, I don't know just creating a world that was not so real I guess right um, yeah so yeah so I guess that first. Uh, uh, the, the last year of my schooling and then obviously the three years at Sydney College of the Arts was sort of the beginning of, of it all. Right. Um, it, it, yeah. it seems to me that you're from a very early time and, and this may have been to do with the experimentation, your work was f- sort of fully formed. Like you seem to have hit on a style quite early on that was 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 perfect, you know, in, 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 in sort of and what it, it sort of encapsulated in what you wanted. And was, that, was that the case or was that just that I'm seeing it how it rose um, in the editorial? I mean, I guess I did, I, I, looking back, I, I guess I did have a very um, clean, pared-back style just from the get-go. And, I mean, I still remember one of the work experience things I did. I went to uh, news magazines, which was Kerry Packer's, magazine right. company at that stage and I went into the photo department and they put me into one of the studios with uh, a food photographer which I hadn't really had that much to do with food photography at that point at all because I was only in my I think it was in my second year of art school right and um uh I, I just couldn't understand why every square inch of the frame had to be filled with something. I'm like, right. where's the negative space? Like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is like I feel it's really claustrophobic. Like yeah. I can't understand why they can't just let the food breathe. Right. <laughs> and so right. I, I think even having that thought back then, I, I guess I guess I did have that um, aesthetic from way back when. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I... I I don't know, and I guess people sort of, um, I, I thought it was quite important to have a style that went across all the genres that I was then doing, which was across uh, still life and um, uh, interiors and food and uh, I was doing quite a wide gamut of work and I thought it was quite important to have a quite a strong, unique look. And I guess mm. that sort of comes from having, you know, one of my 
all-time heroes of is Irving Penn and right. for the re- that very reason that no matter what subject matter he touched, he made it his own and he had his style across it and he, he, there are so many photographers that are just amazing at one genre of photography right. and then you see that another area of their work and you're like, oh, okay, you know, they obviously have found their lane and they, you know, they do it really well and right. um, and I guess because of how I started in uh, magazines where I was sent across, you know, to photograph a portrait of a chef one day or the interior of a restaurant, I had to basically grasp and be good at all these genres because yeah, I was right. just thrown into all of these situations Um just having to come up with images images that looked uh, good and graphic and interesting. Um, uh, so I guess from from that sort of beginning of um, I guess it's almost an apprenticeship working for the Condé Nast magazines where it's Vogue right. Living, it was Vogue Entertaining, um, uh, Vogue Australia, and I actually shot everything. I shot fashion for Vogue Australia. I shot interiors and architecture for Vogue Living and I shot... Um, food and chef portraits and restaurant interiors for Vogue Entertaining and Travel. So it really was, I mean, I guess those early years, it was such an amazing training ground when I started as a freelancer getting those experiences and having to sort of land somewhere at, you know, at a, at a location, not know what the light's going to be like, <laughs> right. just making something work out of nothing, you know, just, right. it, yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's, I guess it's come from that training ground. It's it's fascinating to me the how good, uh, and of course it's one of my my pet peeves and worries these days. How just how good the editorial training ground was. I mean, especially in Australia, I think it, because we had access to it a lot easier in some ways. Whereas the hierarchy, especially now here, it, you know, then in the states, was it was very it was harder to break, sort of break into the higher echelons. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I I, I feel like. Uh, when I was sort of going for job uh, opportunities in the States, I feel like they're, uh, yeah, I just think you're much more able to get an opportunity to 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 do something that's maybe out of, a little bit out of your lane in Australia. They'll give you that chance, whereas in America I think there's a lot more people involved, um, a lot more riding on it in many ways and, uh, yeah, I just think it's a whole different thing. So I, I, I actually, a lot of the photo assistants and digitechs that I um, used to have on jobs in America, they're like, how do you get a start? Like, how do we start? And yeah, I, right. I right. don't know. I just, I, I guess in Australia I didn't face that as much Yeah. because of the, the fact that they'll give you an opportunity a lot uh, more readily. Right. They'll take a chance on you. Right. And, 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 and um, I, I, I'm not sure now, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to, to talking to some younger photographers, how it occurs now because, you know, is it sort of all off your social media because the editorial just has lost its kind of um, – its shine in, in so many ways in doing it, um, especially with Condé Nast here and they adopted the sort of in-house studio, you know, way of working again. Um, and then in doing so, they just sort of, it's a machine of, of sort of e-commerce, if you like. It's not really art, an art form, you know. Very different to when Irving Penn had his Vogue studio. <laughs> you know, they were yeah. sending down just whatever, he, you know, he was going to do. So, um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, do, I, do, I do think that's right, that um, I, I, I feel like Instagram was the major shift for a lot of um, 
professional photographers in in lots of ways. Um, it's it shifted it shifted the almost like the, I, I guess the magazines had the huge circulations and they were the gatekeepers of who got those opportunities, who was going to be seen in in you know in their magazines and their pages, mm. um, and then all of a sudden it was this free form open thing like every single person in the world had this opportunity to show what they could do to this ready-made audience and I don't know it just shifted everything I think yeah. um and at first I didn't I was very I, I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram <laughs> I there's something very amazing about um the immediacy of a reaction like that um but on the other hand, it, I don't know, I, I just, yeah, I, I just have a loving relationship with it. It's kind of a necessary evil and right. I kind of, I go through periods where I'm like, oh, I, don't, I just can't be on Instagram anymore, I, it's too much. And then other times where I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've found this amazing photographer that I've never heard of and look right. at the work and you get really inspired. And right. anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's it definitely shifted a lot, I think. Um yeah, and I guess I guess the major thing that it shifted was, um, you know, obviously art directors were not necessarily looking at magazines as the guiding way to find new talent or whatever. But it, the other thing it shifted in a major way, especially in Australia, I guess it's it's probably the case in the states as well. But um, all of a sudden, you've got people that hadn't come through the you know, the traditional methods of, go, you know, working as an assistant in a studio, seeing how the business model ran of that studio, learning, learning, you know, the ins and outs of what you should charge for a certain job, what the going rates mm. were. And all of a sudden it was this open market where an Instagrammer who'd never really done it professionally, you know, obviously a, a lovely eye, um, but basically they were doing jobs for, two cents when yeah, you know they right. should have been charging two hundred dollars and yeah, right. I'd have clients come back to me and go, Oh, I can get this Instagrammer to do it for cheaper. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> that's a great, it's a great deal. Go, go, do it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I found myself having to compete in this marketplace that was kind of had shifted so hugely. Right. So that I found right. that I, I personally found that very difficult when it sort of all started with Instagram. Yeah. It, it is extremely interesting because it's uh, – I want to say the washout has sort of occurred now um, and I guess I'm probably saying that from a sort of slightly hopeful perspective. Um, but, yeah, it's completely reshaped the industry and, and bookings and times yeah. and stuff um, as, you know, as video also has um, dramatically in, in terms of what's going on here. Um, a lot of the time with assistants here now, they're just professional assistants. They've got no interest at all really in trying to go and launch or do it because it's a much harder pathway. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, that's we can't. I don't want to harp on about the sort of where it's at in terms of, especially you know, my ideas of it because I think it's more uh, interesting to to talk about you know your exciting world of photography and I have so many questions that I have to get to and I've got to stay online here um <laughs> so uh, one thing I just wanted to go back on before we sort of move into you know your work uh, per se uh in terms of um I, I have a fairly strong obsession with Australian photographic history 
Um, I'm always very focused on and I've loved, you know, the sort of Max Dupain and the John Gollings. There's just so many fantastic photographers. Um, and I wondered, was there any Australian photographers you admired growing up or were aware of their work um, and and they sort of inspired you in some way in, in those early in those early sort of formative times? I mean, I guess I guess Max Dupain obviously is a very. I mean, his some of his uh, images are so iconic. The sunbather. Um, I when I was in college, I obviously realised that he was getting on in age, and I just thought I have to meet. I have to meet him. So I actually got together a whole lot of the photographs I'd, I'd taken at that point that were sort of. Loosely called architectural photos, but obviously very unformed because I was only in my second year at um, at Sydney College of the Arts. And right. I rung his studio and I was like, "I really would like to come and show you my photographs." And I really just wanted to meet him and have a chat to him. Yeah. Um, and he was the most divine man. Um, just so positive and encouraging and. Uh, he, he sort of, uh, yeah, looked at my work and made comment on it and he was just very, he was just a wonderful man. Right. And um, he, he ended up passing away quite soon after and I was like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. That was such a lovely thing that I got to meet him. And um, so, I, yeah, I think, I think for me uh, he's probably one of the, the ones uh, yeah. definitely that, um, that I sort of was drawn to. And, and of course, Olive Cotton, who right. he did have a relationship with for a, a number of years. And um, she, she also being a female photographer, which is, which is another thing. Cause I actually, uh, it, it didn't, um, uh, I, yes, I, I, I was the first thing when you asked me to be on, I was like, oh, I'm going to be the first female that you've interviewed. That's <laughs> <Yes>. great. So <laughs> things like that do sort of register with me because I guess right. when I first started out um, being a female assistant, I realised that it was a little bit of a liability in the fact that uh, a lot of the photographers wanted guys to carry heavy equipment around. Right, right. And if they had a girl as the assistant, they always thought that I couldn't do it. So I ended up overcompensating and having to sort of really do much more than I would have normally just right. to show that it wasn't, it, they didn't make a mistake by hiring, hiring me or booking wow. me or whatever. So, um, yeah, so Olive Cotton, um, uh, I mean, I guess David Moore, I mean, there were lots of Bill Henson. Um, yeah. I still remember going into the Art Gallery of New South Wales and seeing I think it was in the early 90s when he did that um, exhibition and the prints were just massive and they were right. so beautiful. Um, and um, I actually did end up having to photograph a portrait of him very early on in my career. Oh, wow. And um, it, it was for Vogue Entertaining and I will never forget it because he did not say one single word during that session to me. He didn't say hello. No. He said nothing. And I was pretty green at that stage. Right. And it freaked me out so badly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it, it's very hard to sort of get a gauge on what someone's thinking yeah, when yeah. they're not expressing anything or communicating to you. And so I walked out of there a basket case. I was like, oh, my God, he, he, I don't think he liked what I was doing and he probably thought it was really, you know, the, where I was putting him and the background I had him in wasn't great. Um, yeah, so I, I that was a very interesting, um, uh, yeah, yeah photo session that portrait session right right uh, but i do That's i do amazing. admire his work even yeah. though obviously there are various controversial elements to some of it um, right. 
Right. Because he had one of his exhibitions closed down. I don't know if you know. Yeah, but, right. Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's he's a, a wonderful image maker. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of it's unfortunate for him because his work now has come up against a, a, a completely different time. Um, yes, and yes. you can argue the merits of you know imagery and and art uh, forever. Yes, um, yes. But, but the world is is uh, has gone against it. So, in this in this sort of going forward time, was there a breakthrough commission you 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 had that you felt? Okay, this is this is this is starting to kind of make sense to me now, and and I feel like my work is actually going to stand up. Um, I mean, I guess I guess the really crucial pivotal thing that happened was um, working on Donna Hay's first book, uh, which your lovely wife was also <laughs> a part of that um, that team, yeah. and um, I, I just think it was this. Um, it's quite an interesting story, I think, because Donna had done one previous cookbook, but it wasn't a Marie Claire cookbook. Right. Uh, it was a smaller, smaller one, and I, I don't even remember the publisher, but I, I think it was just a little sleeper book. And then she basically became the food editor for Marie Claire and was asked to do this book for them. And I, um, I'd done a, a few things for the Marie Claire food pages with Donna, but I was basically put with her on this book. And she was an un, untested, un, you know, unproven author at this time, right. um, and. There wasn't a lot of budget and so basically I feel like it was, um, I don't know, this, I don't know, it was quite interesting. Basically I had no assistant, she had no assistant. So (laughs) we were in a studio, this massive studio, it was Quentin Bacon's studio. Right. Um, There there was a studio room and the kitchen was in a separate uh, room. Donna would be cooking in the kitchen. I would be in the studio. She would walk a dish through to me there was no money for many props at all except for the bowl or plate that the actual right. dish or recipe went on to. Um, and I had to make a picture out of that basically. Yeah, no right. props, no cutlery, no napery. <laughs> it was just a table. So I ended up wow. doing this style where it was like the corners of the table uh, with, a, with a bowl and using right. the shape and the negative space. Yeah. And um, and it was really fast and furious Um uh, I think Sarah had devised very cleverly this uh, or the, and the publisher together had devised this very clever thing where it was one of the first cookbooks that actually had a photograph for every single recipe in the book, which right. was really never done before. Right. So there was a lot of images to be taken and there was not a lot of time and there was no budget. So um, we we had this like really intense, fast shooting thing Um Donna really wasn't even on the set when I was shooting. We'd just be basically walking between the the kitchen and the studio doing the shots. And then Sarah did this absolutely beautiful layout where it was just full page, no borders, full recipe image, and then the next page would be a grid of four, really graphic, really clean. And I feel like that book shifted everything for cookbooks, for food photography, it was sort of clean lighting. I was just using the daylight from um, right, Quentin's daylight that. studio. Right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, all the the, the tones uh, were very cool. They were more on the blue side. And yeah. I think food photography to that point, um, there was a sort of look that was kind of warm and homey and inviting. And I did this like clean 
sort of movement happening like before me in the generation. Like I, I assisted um, uh, Jeff Long, who right. uh, who basically was shooting a lot of food, but he was also shooting a lot of interiors and architecture yeah. at that time. Right. But he he, I mean, I guess as well. There weren't much. There were. There was not much budget in Australian magazines anyway, and yeah. photographers were basically having to shoot a lot in a very small amount of time with not a lot of budget. So, in a way, when you arrive at a location, there's no time sometimes at all to set up any yeah. lighting. So, right. I, I think there had been this huge shift with you know uh, Jeff Lang and there was another photographer, George Seeper, who I assisted a little bit, right. and I, I had worked for these people and knew that that lighting was very beautiful and. I kind of had seen it as an assistant, so it wasn't. Uh, I don't feel like I was the, uh, you know, it, right. it, it had happened in the generation of photographers before me in Australian food photography for for, um, for sure. So, right, um, yeah, uh, yeah, and it did. It came out of necessity, right. and I guess there was a sort of shift worldwide in the way uh, Australian photographers were basically very sought after for that. A, you know that Australian light thing that they right. they're like oh the light's so beautiful in Australia and I'm like it's beautiful everywhere <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, so it's just natural light it's beautiful <laughs> oh dear it's it's um it, 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 I find it I find it sort of fascinating um because and this is this is sort of a good forward question because stylistically um there's a lot more lifestyle again now which is you know it's sort of to do with with the sort of the instagram generation and and even in in the world that i you know i bounce around in in with this sort of a move away from highly technical imagery um really high-end polished stuff to a much more relaxed thing so like everything these cycles kind of go go along um do you now do you sort of keep Keep your eye. I mean, I know we've touched on the Instagram thing, but you sort of keep your eye at all on stylistically what's evolving and happening, or you just do what I, you do. My um, my hobby is looking at images. I right. I cannot see and consume enough. Like so, from that point of view, Instagram is great because I I get to see so many different things and I, I I mean I think it's quite overwhelming and staggering how many talented people are out there I mean I I, I think that's the bad thing for me about Instagram because right. it actually sort of uh almost immobilizes you because you're like oh my god like this is I, gotta get like, I think that <laughs> when I was shooting back in the beginning before Instagram you just do your thing and you just do it and now I guess I'm so aware of all these amazing people and it's like whoa that's that's really what right. we're all up against like the competition is immense yeah um so i i guess it's got a, a you know i i'm inspired by it but i'm also almost paralyzed by it at the same time right right um and, and do you do you uh, do you always feel like you're sort of on a uh, evolution uh, all the time do you feel like you're always kind of slightly moving moving the sort of forward with your images do you think um, um yeah i i i do i do um yeah for sure i mean i just i definitely um i had a i had a sort of a, a big shift during the um the whole sort of um the gfc back in when was it 2009 um i had i had this massive studio it was this huge warehouse space um, I lived on the top floor and I had this grand plan to renovate it. Right. And I don't know, I just, 
the GFC hit and it was the best thing that could have ever happened. I, I'd gone from sort of shooting six days a week to suddenly going, oh, okay. And I was like, I really want to do something different. I just, um, uh, so I ended up selling the studio right. and it was like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know, I've always had a studio, whether I, you know, was renting or I owned it or whatever. Right. I always had a studio and then all of a sudden I just got rid of it all and I just went on this huge thing where I was just travelling all the time and it was just like it was so, it was so um, liberating actually. Right. It was like I'd sort of shed this ball and chain of, you know, having to make the rent or, or, you know, or having to do certain things or having to be in the studio to justify having the, you know, the massive, you know, running the, running the studio and the overhead of the yeah. studio. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can, I can actually do whatever I want to do now. I can <laughs> go wherever I want to go. I can. So I ended up doing this huge um, number of years where I was just travelling relentlessly, doing jobs overseas, taking, you know, jobs everywhere and, um, I, I kind of did get a little burnt out by it. I was like, I mean, it was fantastic and I'm not in any way complaining. Um, right. But it, it is, there's a lot of time in airports and a lot of jet lag involved yeah, right. and, um, uh, yeah, so wonderful. But I'm also, now that we've also been in lockdown for a while, I'm like, oh, actually, there's something really nice about not having to have a, a suitcase packed and ready to go. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like right. just being in one place and, yeah. So did you, in, in that travelling period, did you actually live anywhere for a period of time? Did you did you sort of? I mean, I did. I, I never actually moved, moved, but I right. would do like I, I, I do projects for, I was in New York for three months. Yeah, and I right, worked on right. books and projects and um you know, I go to London. I mean, I guess it was quite interesting because in the beginning uh, when I was sort of doing the Donna Hay cookbooks, right. so much of the interest in my work was in London. Yeah. And then at some point it just shifted to the States and I ended up being in the States a lot more. Right. So it's quite an interesting, it was interesting how there were sort of very distinct uh, periods of interest in my work in different locations. So right. just right. interesting. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, I, I think I've seen... Through the through you know editorial career that I had here, I saw that change occur too, where um, people were much more interested in in Australian sort of look and photography and what was capable of. And I think you know you have sort of epitomised that that style. Um, in terms of um, some of your you know long term clients, I mean you've worked with so many great you know people along the way. Was, is it, was there sort of one relationship? I mean, it's always hard to say one, but is there something that really kind of, besides the early stuff with Donna, that, that really you, you cherished and, and knew that that was just a, a sort of a genius moment in, in, in your work, you know? I mean, I guess, um, yeah, I, I, I really, out of all the things that I do, I think, I mean, I love, I love travelling because when I do those sorts of projects, it of, often encompasses you know, street photography and right. portraits and, like, it's, it encapsulates everything, food, like, within right. a travel story, say, for a magazine, I'll do all of those things. So I, I personally find that really uh, fun and wonderful. But often I'm often alone on those situations. I'm by myself and, well, I don't have a problem with that because I'm quite a reserved, shy person. I, I think for me... The sorts of jobs that I really, really cherish are probably the cookbooks because right. they're not those sort of one or two day jobs that you get. You you go in for a project for two to three weeks. You're with 
the author, the chef, um, the team for for that amount of time, and it's a really unique uh, time. So you know, I've done mm. a, a three cookbooks with Nigella, Nigella Lawson. I've done four or five books with Bill Granger. Um, uh, you know, I, I've done a couple of books for Delia Smith in London, who sort right. of was the or is the Margaret Fulton of of the UK. <laughs> um, and and all of those experiences for me are some of the most cherished. Working with those people right. very closely in in um, in often quite you know a lot of shots a day, so it's quite an intense period of time. Right. And then you right. kind of leave those situations feeling almost like you've lost long you know family or right. long lost <laughs> friends, and you go away and ring each other, going, "We miss, I miss you." Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Like, it's actually really uh, they're very intense periods of time and. Um, yeah, c- quite creatively challenging, which is great. And, um, yeah, so I, th- I think out of all the projects, I mean, I love working with Bill Granger, for instance. I mean, he has an right. art school background, even though he's run this very successful uh, food restaurant business across mm. many countries. He's got 20 restaurants. But wow. at the heart of him, he's an art director. That's his yeah. thing. Right. And working with him... Uh, is is so much fun because he has such a unique way of saying amazing flair with food. So yeah, I just I you know things like that I really find quite um, interesting and uh, satisfying creatively. Well, it's also I mean in a way um, uh, you you help define their their brands too because they you know you, you your your work became you know their sort of imagery. Um, which, uh, in terms of photography, you know, jobs, it, that's it's sort of kind of quite unusual in the fact that most things are you know much shorter term jobs, you know, day or two or a week maybe of what you're doing. Oh. But to work on those long term projects and then them say we're taking Katrina's style and making it our own, you know, that's that's I think that's a, a lovely feather in your cap to kind of have in your in your career. Um, and, and especially one that, that is, um, you know, most people would not really understand the importance of, of having those relationships, I think. Because, um, you know, I think they're, um, in the normal photographic terms, they're, they're kind of quite rare, you know, to sort of have those times. So, um, yeah, but I, I do think also on the flip side of that, like, um, you know, Donna Hay obviously has, like, just like Bill, has a very strong sense of what, what, um, what her food is and did have, I, I think right. the combination of her really uh, graphic sensibility and mine in a way yeah. was a marriage made in heaven because right. we were on the same page in terms of what visuals should look like and Bill Bill Granger the same. So I think it, it's sort of like they're on your wavelength and um, each party respects what the other does and in a way by working together each party makes each other better in a way because I mean I feel like often if I'm on a project by myself um, you sort of never really like you do what you do and you do it instinctively but when you're on a project with somebody else that collaboration pushes you know you push each person pushes the other to somewhere else that you may not have gotten to by yourself and I find Mm. that really quite exciting about collaborations. Um, when when you changed uh, from from film to digital, was that a was that a difficult 
time for you? Was it? Was it? Was it a? I w- I was the the holdout. You're the <laughs> I, I I stuck with film as long as I possibly could to the point where. I had magazines saying, if you're not going to shoot digital, we can't use you anymore. And yeah, I'm like, right. oh, my God, the writing's on the wall. I, I have to make the shift. Right. And I really did it very begrudgingly. I, I right. didn't want to shift. And, I, I mean, I love film. I love the right. grain structure and I mean, I just loved it and I experimented throughout my career with all sorts of things from, you know, I don't know if you remember that Scotch chrome, that Italian Scotch yeah, chrome right. yeah, uh, yeah. film that had the most incredible grain structure and I was like, I'm not giving up film, this is it, I'm, <laughs> this is terrible. And then I think I think when um, when I finally sort of got found my feet with digital, I'm like, oh, actually this, this really is so much better. Like, right. <laughs> I actually saw the light. But one of the practical reasons that it was so much better was I had spent so many years, um, uh, especially on the travel jobs where I was taking 100 rolls of film through x-rays, having arguments with the security yeah, about right. <laughs> not putting it through the x-ray. And, I, I mean, I still remember having this stand-up argument in Heathrow Airport with a <laughs> Uh, security guy and he's like the x-ray doesn't uh, fog the film and I'm like it does <laughs> and I'm like I'm using really high speed film and you know and then they're like you can't come through unless you're x-ray and they go I want to speak to your supervisor so I, it was very stressful and I did end up having fogged film on on uh, a few some jobs yeah. because I absolutely didn't win the fight. And right. so digital, I'm like, oh, my God, I can go through security and not even have to walk <laughs> anymore. So I guess from a practical point of view, but also I think um, so many more reasons now, of course. Right, right. The, 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 the thing that I miss the most, um, it, there was sort of a sense of um, romanticism about film that the technical aspects of digital when it first arrived with every adjustable slider, contrast curve, you know, people got lost with it completely. And it wasn't actually until I, you know, I just had to adopt it obviously as we as we moved on. It wasn't actually until I spoke to to Ben Watts in, in the series that he was, he, you know, he has a very strong sense of colour and he couldn't believe when people shifted to digital why they didn't look like their pictures anymore. Like and suddenly yeah. all these great, great <laughs> well, photographers he admired, the, the pictures don't look like them anymore. So, that, I, Well, that's, that, I have to say I did hold out for that reason as well and yeah. also there were a lot of people that didn't know how, as you say, to use digital properly and they'd sort of shift the highlight and the the um, uh, shadow sliders right up and it'd be like, oh, my God, that looks hideous. Like, what are they doing? doing? If that's digital, I'm not going there. (laughs) So, yes, I I, I feel like I... um uh, when you see people use it, using it back in the early day properly, it's like, oh, okay, it can, yeah, you know, if you right. use it properly, it'll it'll work for you and still give you the look that you're used to producing for your clients. So, yeah. 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 No, is, is, it really is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump into a gear-related question. Do you, Is there a particular lens that you love to use the most or your kind of go-to one? Um, I, I mean, I guess... Um, Commercially, I use um, the Canon DSLRs. I've got the 5DSR. Um, and I guess if I was to choose a favourite lens, um, it's probably the 51.2. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah. I I have a, I don't know, I, I think lens. going back to um, when I started out, I, um, I don't know, I think they're, 
I, I basically, after I did Sydney College of the Arts, I um, it was very art-based and I ended up starting to be an assistant and realised that my technical uh, training within that course, the visual arts course, was very limited and uh, I sort of came out thinking I knew everything and, of course, I knew absolutely nothing, <laughs> went into a commercial studio and I was like, oh, my goodness, like I've really got to do something. So I actually, while I was assisting, I did uh, two years of the TAFE course, which was the polar opposite of the visual arts right, course. Right, And, you know, um, light and optics about the every intricacy of making a lens and, the, right. you know, things that you really probably don't really need to know. But... Um, and I, I guess there was such a focus in that course about um, the equipment and the, the technical thing, which, of course, that's the course it was. But I've really rallied so strongly. Again. Like when I see think people on Instagram and they see this photograph, they're like, oh, what camera did you use? And I'm like, is that really the question you're going to ask? <laughs> like, I, for me, when I look at a picture and it evokes something in me or I think it's really beautiful, I actually want to learn more about not the, I mean, this is just me, not the technical part of that photo, but right. what made that person make that picture and, I don't know, something about their their, their right. history or where they've come from visually that made them take that picture. I find that, for me, is a more, I don't know, I, I yeah. So when people ask me about technical things, I'm right. very, I get very like, oh, does it matter because I've seen, you know. No, it's, it's that's, think, yeah, no, I, I, to, I mean, like I, I think it, I totally. I am. think it, I know this totally podcast sad. is about that, so I'm, right. I don't mean to. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> to, I, I, to, to take it off the rails in that way, but no, I just no. think that a good image maker can make images with whatever. Like right. I've seen, you know, you look at someone like Adam Fuss, and he did those photograms. Right. No actual camera was involved, yeah. and the beautiful images of. Um, you know all sorts of things, and I just I just think someone that's got a eye, it, it doesn't really matter what they're using. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a good point. I, I think with you, I was kind of interested in it, in it because there's a similarity to your look, um, and you probably you probably don't don't even notice it, but but I. Um, with my technical eye, I can look at it and go, uh, not that I'm analysing it, but I say, well, it's obviously there's something that you just kind of pick up and go to because that works within the sort of compositional skill set that you that you have. Um, oh. But um, that's right, no, no more technical questions. <laughs> no, 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 I don't, I don't mind. I mean, I guess, I guess when I, like, I obviously um, have to light things and yeah. it's, it's not my... It's not, a, it's not my preference because I do really genuinely love the images that natural light make. But, of course, as a commercial photographer, you can't just be doing that. There are right. so many things that I've obviously had to light. Um, but I've actually, in my editorial work at least, found this sort of middle place where I, I do mix daylight with artificial light, whether it be uh, tungsten. So I've been right. using a lot um, uh, most uh, recently, um, the little dado lights, which is a tungsten light. So I mix the yeah. daylight with a bit of that. So it still looks like it's lit, but it's not like people, right. I think people right. look at it and they go, oh, okay, is it, you know, is it flash with tungsten or is right. it? Right. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's quite an interesting thing. So I've been sort of playing around quite a lot with that recently. Right. Um, but always trying, even within my lit, fully lit 
um, you know, the flash photography trying, as you said earlier, uh, to emulate daylight. Really. Yeah, right, right. You're exactly. You're always coming back to, to trying to base those beautiful windows. Um, yes. In terms of uh, – I'd like to talk to you a little bit about composition because you have such a strong sense of composition. Um, do you find that you work to a sort of a set of rules and then quickly throw them out the window and try to break them and, and you know, change things around? Do you, do you have a lot of control of what's going to be in front of you when you are sort of composing? Um, I, I guess it really depends what the jobs are. And, I mean, I do all sorts of things from, you know, as, as you probably do as well and a lot of photographers do where they're very controlled advertising things and there's a, you know, there's a set layout. They want this in this position. And I feel like sometimes really my input into that is the lighting because everything else is already pre you know, it's it's already worked out, um, and sometimes there's no room to move in in that. And I, I guess they're not my kind of uh, my favorite kind of jobs, just because you know the creative part of it is in a is, way right. you you do just become the technician. And for me, that's the least interesting part of photography. Right. Uh, it, you know, right. I mean, I, I um, yeah. So yeah, I, I guess instinctively you just do. I do what what. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I think you just instinctively do what you do, and yeah. um, I do find it most interesting. Like I worked with this art director in London, and we never agreed on how the shots should look. And she said to me, "Oh, you hate working with me." And I said, "You're wrong. <laughs> I you, when you question me, you right. make me think about what I do instinctively, and I have to move outside of those parameters." And right. what you don't realise is you, you are actually change, changing the way I think and making me question it and how can that be bad? That's really exciting That's, to me. Like yeah, right. <laughs> someone's, we're not on the same page but not in a bad way but, but you know, she's questioning me all the time and I'm going, are you sure? And sometimes when you work, I work with so many people that have mm. the same aesthetic as me which is so wonderful but sometimes when you meet and work with people like that, they actually slowly shift you out of those ways yeah. that you just naturally go without, you just fall into the default position and then like, but are you sure? And, and then you go, you try what they've suggested and you're like, oh, yeah, actually. <laughs> and so it changes and shapes you even more and that's a good thing. It makes you grow. Yeah, yeah, that is a good thing because I think with being a very busy, you know, commercial photographer, it's very easy to get kind of stuck too, you know, because you've got yeah. to get that 12 pictures done and you've got to, yeah. you know, you've got to get in and out of the studio and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, uh, no, I, I think those sort of challenging moments are, are extremely important. Um, yeah. Have you, um, have you tackled video at all? Have you, have you sort of looked at doing motion? Um, I have, I, so I, I guess one of the things that most of my, well, at least my food clients want a more, um, the stop motion, uh, that seems to be the, the, yeah. the go-to thing the go -to, where there's right? <laughs> motion of some sort. So I guess not really video per se, but I've done a, I've done a few jobs where video was sort of a secondary thing and I um, uh, they're like, oh, just give us the raw footage and we'll, you know, we'll edit it. So I guess I haven't really done it in a, a big way and a lot of the larger projects I've done where video was um, a part of it, I've pulled in a, a team specific to that because often right. I find 
um, clients don't really understand that, you know, if you're shooting stills, that obviously is going to consume your attentions full time. Right. But then if you want two end products that are of a high end quality, um, sometimes you really do need two teams to actually concentrate on their end product to give the final result that they want and that you want to deliver. Um, So I kind of, I have sort of talked clients into uh, having the second team on board where it's been a bigger, more important project. I mean, I guess the editorial is where I've done the video as a secondary thing and it's not really as important as the still so right yeah a, li- a little bit but not i wouldn't i wouldn't sell myself as a video videographer at all yeah yeah i i yeah i sort of um we we, we have to do a lot now and um yes. you know yeah. pe- pe- people come for me and i i've always i've had a very hard time um calling myself a director because i i have such a high respect for people who really are directors it's a whole other thing you know and it really is you are a videographer really at, at that sort of point um it, it's a it's a really it's a very interesting i mean i i've enjoyed learning you know as we do yeah. and discussions and understanding frame rates and different cameras but i always end up telling them what lens i want or how i'm gonna light yeah. it you know so it, it, there's been a i found it's kept sort of kept me interested yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think those um, was it Ralph Lauren you did? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, beautiful. Most stuff. Yeah. Right? Beautiful, so lovely. Oh, that's, that's nice of you to say. We we <laughs> do we, we do sweat over those things, but those there is some beauty in those very small movements that to me i always sort of see the, the sort of classic still life thing again you know i see you know yeah. it's just the hitting the way a lighter hit a bo- hits a bottle or something and it's it's, it's that, that's really enjoyable but then but yeah. then it takes another six months until it's edited and cut and approved and it's like the process is way way longer so it's kind of interesting yeah yeah um and I also I want to uh, have you exhibited have you have you thought about doing a book have you where are you in that process I, I did a big um, solo exhibition. I was asked by Canon Australia in, uh, must have been 2018, I think, um, to do a big food photography exhibition. Right. And I, and basically in um, Sydney at least there's a, uh, a thing called Good Food Month, which is where all these food events happen, and right. they wanted to hold this exhibition of food photographs for October Good Food Month. Right. And... So I had to come up with a concept and I actually thought I really don't want to do what's expected. I, I don't want to just do photos of recipes on plates because yeah, actually right. that's not interesting to me. Right. Um, so I actually asked uh, a food stylist that I collaborate with quite a lot, David Morgan, uh, whether he'd like to have the exhibition with me as a, you know, as a duo. Right. Like let's, let's, you know, conceptualise something and shoot it uh, and have this exhibition together. Um, so it's not me by myself, it's the two of us we're having this exhibition. And I actually found that really, really fun and we did these very um, graphic, um, almost architectural things uh, of food and they, they were wow. uh, very desaturated. It's almost looking like they were black and white but obviously not black and white. Um, and I still remember when I sent it to the guy who was a chef who was basically uh, arranging uh, a lot of it, he said, 
what what is it? You said food, and I'm like, right. great, <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> um, and so I actually I really enjoyed that that I actually was able to push the boundaries of what people thought food photography was. Right. Um, right. So I definitely, I mean, I, I've been in lots of group exhibitions, and um, but I guess that was the first big solo exhibition. It was this massive opening, and um, yeah, it was just it was lots of it was lots of fun. So I definitely would. Um, yeah, love to do something else. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm def- it's definitely on the back burner. Uh, back burner, yeah. No, I could definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I would love to see. You know, obviously, you know, I'd love to see an exhibition, but I'd love to see a book too. A beautifully designed yeah. sort of re- the sort of flip the flip the tables on all the all, all the books that you've done. Yeah. But it's a it's yeah. your book. You know, I think it would be stunning. So I yeah, I'm actually I'm I I worked with um I did a book a cookbook uh, for um. Uh, this company called Too Good, which does um, uh, basically helps uh, women in shelters uh, eat and whatever, and they do this one-for-one thing where they get chefs to uh, write recipes for them and then they sell them to corporates. And for every one that they sell to corporates, they uh, give another one to the shelters to feed the women. Right. And it's such a there's such beautiful people, but they pull in um, uh, a painter to work beside me while I was shooting. And David Morgan wow. was the food stylist on the project, so the three of us were in the studio, and she was painting. And we actually we we actually said uh, like she was she was basically painting some of the photographs that we had. Uh, uh, photographed or some of the food that had been brought to us to photograph um, for the chapter openers. And mm. there was something really lovely and so different as a sort of a uh, energy in the studio, having a painter painting yeah, what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> and, and I was she and she was just like, we really should do a book together. So we're actually in the beginnings uh, of a discussion wow. about what that would look like, yeah. melding painting and photography and um uh, yeah how, how we're going to make that happen so it's something right. quite exciting for both of us so yeah. it's just very early days on that one so uh, yeah yes yeah, yeah yeah but that's to, that, to be continued <laughs> well, well we'll check back in with you on that because that's um <laughs> I, I, w- I would love to see that that sounds like just a, a sort of a brilliant um cross uh you know combination you know for, yeah. especially for what I mean, you do I, I think I think for me things like that which are just uh collaborations which are Dif- different um, other things that really keep me very passionate about what I do. So I think yeah. they're really important things. Um, do you, uh, um, you know, given that you've worked so hard and now for, for, for so long, do you, are you sort of missing that sort of craziness during this, you know, during this horrendous sort of lockdown thing that's, that's occurred, you know, because um, I imagine a lot um, of productions have stopped or slowed or been put on the back burner or, you know. Yeah, I, um, I, I guess at first it was, um, I, I was actually quite, I, I, I did have cabin fever because I was so used to being away so much and right. I was just like, oh, my gosh. And then I actually just really um, settled into it and I'm like, oh, okay, actually this is good, this is nice. And I had more time to think about things and what I'd like to be doing personally, not just right. commercially and right. um and sort of in, in the middle of uh, the first, actually the beginning of this year, I did a book, uh, cookbook with um, Neil Perry. And it was a very, um, it was a wonderful project also because it was in this sort of brief moment where there was no lockdown but there were certain uh, restrictions. 
Um, and, and it was almost like it had come full circle because the very first cookbook I ever did was for Neil Perry. Right. I did his Rockpool cookbook as I the did. very first cookbook right. I ever did. That's, and on, then the, suddenly, that's on the shelf. You know, 30, <laughs> well, actually, 20-something years later, here I am doing his latest cookbook. Wow. And I don't know, there was something really quite lovely about this sort of full circle thing that I was back doing one of his books and, um, yeah, so that's about to come out in about six weeks. So I'm right. pretty excited to see how that is um, received and how it goes. Yeah, I, I enjoyed yeah, that it. Was it. I, I think you kept quite good updates on your Instagram during that time and there was there, which was great because I could sort of, there was sort of a joy to the sort of the connection of you guys working together and, and that came across, you know, so I was, yeah. ex- I was excited to see that. So that's great. Well, I just, I, I, yeah, I also, um, I, I think I've got such a huge respect for Neil as well. I've, obviously, I've known him for a very long time and yeah. he's just one of those guys who uh, gives back all the time. Like he's always doing charity work but wow. never talking about it. He's just, and he's just so passionate about food. It's hard not to be caught up in this kind of spiral of excitement when yeah. he talks <laughs> about things. It's like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. And he's just very... Um, you can see why some of his chefs have been with him for 30 years. Yeah, he's right. He's just right. such a great guy and very positive and um, very inspiring. So right. and we ate so well. I mean, that's the other thing. <laughs> I think you can, tell, you can tell someone that truly loves food, I think, because the, the, the actual thing is that they want that, you know, food for them is an expression of love and yeah. feeding people and so lunches on Neil's shoots were the highlight of the day. I mean, obviously I love shooting the food, but sitting down to lunch and seeing how excited Neil was to see how we responded to his food was the highlight of the day without a right. doubt. And, you, the, you know, the fact that he wanted to feed people and, like, the joy he got from that and the, obviously the joy we got from yeah, that. Yeah, right, I was going to say. So, yeah, I think, I think <laughs> Nigella Lawson is another person like that. The lunches were... Right the highlight of the shoot like yeah. they were everyone sat down together it wasn't like a, a working lunch where you're kind of eating a sandwich while you're in front of the computer yeah, right. screen <laughs> everyone sat down it was great conversation um so i think for me like the true food people are feeders like they love feeding people yeah yeah <laughs> and, that, not, and they're not all like that actually weirdly right no but that's uh that's one hell of a catering story really yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> Given, given how our catering has gone in this last uh, couple of years. Um, yes, yeah. But um, I, 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 love, I love that with your work, um, some, of the, some of the things that have really stood out to me in terms of what you've done is you, you've been obviously a very, sort of a very quiet achiever about it and I, and I can tell even talking to you that you, you, you don't like to kind of talk too much about it. You know, you just like to get on and do it and, and you, have, you have inspiration. But I imagine you know, in terms of influence, you influencing people, there's a whole generation of people who have grown up just looking at what you've done. Um, and that's probably quite nice to know that a lot of people have sort of taken that and moved on and, and you know, created their own thing. So... Um, I mean, I guess, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I didn't really um, have a full picture of what that looked like until I was doing workshops. I... I, I I mean, as I, as you know, I'm quite reserved and I am quite a shy person and I'm, right. I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. So one of the things that ended up happening was I was being asked to speak uh, at um, food festivals yeah, about right. my work and I, I don't know, I guess, I guess I got to the point where I was like, oh, 
I really have never done that and it goes against who I am, like in terms of I don't really like public speaking. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, mean, I guess lots of people don't. But I thought I really just need to push this a little bit and just see how it feels and, you know. Right. Um, and I guess doing those things, um, you know, sitting in standing, or so not sitting, standing in front of a, a, a workshop of people um, and, and hearing how you know, they've, you, you've influenced them in some way. It's really quite inspiring. Or, you know, I, I was doing this job in Milan um, every year for a couple of years where I was there for a month at a time and I got this uh, uh, Instagram message from this uh, photographer and she said, I'd really like to meet you. And she, uh, I met, met up with her and she basically said, I'm a food photographer because of you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so she tells so me the great. story about how she became a food photographer and how she went through one of the cookbooks that I'd photographed um, with, uh, I think it was Michelle Cranston. Right. Uh, one of, it was one of the Marie Claire cookbooks after Donna's yeah. time Marie Claire. Michelle Cranston right. became the food editor. And she went through and re like made and photographed every single recipe in this massive tome of recipes oh to practice photography. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> Quite, Commitment. I mean, quite humbling and it's like, oh, wow, because you just I just do my work and yeah, I just do my work. I roll up my sleeve, just do my work and I stay right. in my little <laughs> corner in my studio and do my thing and then you're like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. So it is, it's quite, it is quite humbling. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in terms of, of, of future plans, um, obviously once you get out of lockdown, but um, what are you sort of looking forward to the most, you know, traveling again or um um yeah people people always say to me where where's the first place you'll go and I'm (laughs) like well I I mean I think I became quite obsessed um in all my travels with Japan and photographing things in Japan I I was sent I think I was sent by American Gourmet when it was um still in publication which was one of the saddest days when that magazine closed down yeah what a magazine such a brilliant magazine Mm. but they i think they sent me a total of about 10 times to japan for various stories um and i just became so obsessed with japan and not only the aesthetic but um how it's like this modern culture clashing with this ancient tradition you know the ancient traditions and how you know, every single thing uh, in Japanese culture has a visual consideration to it, everything. Like you go to a corner store and the woman wraps, you know, a a (laughs) thing of butter with this beautiful paper and string and you're like, I'm not going to unwrap that. That that is the most beautiful. She took such pride and care in in how she presented that to me. And I just find that so um, exciting when I go to Japan how that is just, it just, is the norm in yeah. everyday life with regular people so yeah mm. definitely japan and in fact if i was going to do a book of other other things maybe not to do with food it would or actually it could be to do with food would be uh, on japan right do you do you, so you know obviously places like japan do you love to just to wander and take pictures do you are you a, are you a sort of serial absolutely i yeah, right. for me i mean i think it's that um that thing, I, I think Cardio Bresson was like, you just take one camera body and the lens and you just go with it. Like yeah. you don't switch lens, like you just yep. stay. And I think Annie Leverwitz says the same thing. Yep. And for me, you just take a camera, a camera and lens and you just go and see what you see and there's nothing, like it's just a moment of magic that will never be seen again. It's just right. you capture something that happens in front of you or, yeah, for me, I, that's my favourite 
um, relaxation thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, like yeah. I, I actually did trips to Japan a few years back um, where I just spent, you know, weeks just wandering around with my camera and every yeah. day I'd just go, oh, I'm going to go and look at this temple and I would just take photos all day long and it was just like it was like the best holiday. I was just by myself and I just took pictures and, I mean, it, I, maybe there is a book there for sure once I get to editing yeah. all the photos. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> there's, there's got to be something there. I, I, <laughs> um, I, I, I've just, I don't want to say I've just rediscovered the love of doing it but I've shifted back into, lockdown forced me into sort of, getting out of the sort of headspace and and part of doing the photorian was that I needed to sort of get in touch with people who I admired and, and learn from again but I, but I think that um, there is something so magnificent about just having a camera with you all the time and just just oh, shooting yeah. no matter where you are and you can and uh, I've discovered this new crazy app of course you do on Instagram but you actually can lay pictures out like an editorial story um oh, and yes, it's yes. it's so I've just the last couple of weeks I've just obsessed with it you know because I feel like I'm becoming an art director but I actually want to then figure out how to put type in it as well so so they feel like <laughs> editorial stories you know you can sort yeah, of start absolutely. to see you know how things put together um which I find to be quite uh quite inspiring time so yeah I mean um, I, I definitely think it's my favorite way of shooting is just I mean, often if if I'm on holiday with somebody else and they're yeah. not a photographer, they don't understand why you've got to stand in one spot <laughs> waiting for something to happen in this shot that you've, you know, you're like, oh, all the bones are there but I just need something magic uh, to come through the frame. <laughs> and you stand there, I could stand there for quite easily and happily yeah. waiting for this magic moment and with someone that doesn't get it. And they're like, come on, let's let's move on to the next place. I'm like, right. have you got the shot? <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I definitely love that kind of photography where you just, you know, you're just out wandering and you're yeah. seeing stuff just with your eye. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I think it's refreshing, and I think uh, I'm always actually now to the point that I get a bit worried who people who don't do it because I think that it's sort of you, you're missing out on so much of why you loved it in the first place, and and yeah. I, and I, I also think there's a sort of a, to me now with the way um, the sort of culture has changed in image making, uh, I'm more precious about photography. Than more than ever, I think, um, mm. and and because I think that's they're the lessons and the histories that needed to be discussed before you know it, it completely changes. And um, you know, recently when I was speaking to John Gollings about it, you know, in his age, he's still crazy about it. You know, yeah. um, and it's just it's so nice to to see that there's there's that sort of life because we never stop. You know, we don't have to. We don't. We we can keep going. You know, which is so. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I I mean I think having longevity in you know your career or John Golling's career or my career comes from this base core thing that we just love photography like yeah. it's just yeah. it's so innate like I was thinking about it and I'm like well it's not what I do it's who I am I, yeah. I can't extract it out of myself right. like no matter how much I try it is just so innately a part of me and I guess same right. with you and John and it, I think it is the thing that keeps us all going, like yeah. in our careers, in our commercial yeah. careers. No, it's I so mean, true. I can't even imagine what else I would do if I wasn't a photographer. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like somebody asked me that and I'm like, well, if I couldn't be a commercial photographer, I'd just be, I'd just take my own photos. Yeah, right. And like, make money and I'm like, I just, I, I can't even conceive it. Like it's not even an option. I can't not do it. <laughs> right. I'm exactly the same. I'm not qualified to do yeah. anything else. So I don't, know what, I don't know what else I would do. 
So. Well, I think I'd probably be, if I, I actually, if I was really going to answer that question, I'd probably be a photo editor because I love looking at pictures at so pictures. much. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Um, well, that, that sort of, that brings me to, to everything that I wanted to talk to you about. And um, as you can probably see from my background now, it's, it's dark here. We've, uh, yes. uh, we're, we're still, it's still summertime, but, the, you, know, the, you know, New York seems to have the shortest summer in the world. Um, and so the, the light is, is getting less and less in this, in this beautiful studio. Um, but I just wanted to, uh, to say, you know, what an honour and, and a privilege it has been to talk to you. Um, I've, oh, I, I, Thanks, I've loved chatting with you and I, I hope that um, we can stay in touch and I, I'd love it, you know, when, I, when Australia eventually lets me back into the country um, that, uh, that I can, you know, we can catch up in Sydney sometime because I think there's a lot of things we have in common and, and a lot of history and I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed uh, um, being well, able to talk you. to you. Thank you so much. It was a total honour. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I, I, such a pleasure to chat to. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, guys, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Uh, Petrina really is quite the inspiring photographer. Uh, I've learned a lot from looking at her work over the years, especially in the uh, sheer amount of publications that I know that I have in my house. Um, and you probably had some in your houses as well, I would think. Uh, I didn't realise we both had uh, a love of Irving Penn in common, so that was sort of a great uh, aspect to learn about Petrina. Uh, I'd love you to go and take a look at her work and I'll, I'll put all the notes um, and the links, I should say, in the show notes below. Um, I hope you like The Photorian. I hope you like season two and be back next week with another guest. And if you do, please um, uh, like and uh, leave me a review. That would be fantastic. And I look forward to bringing you more exciting conversations with great photographers. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>